It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 7808 on Saturday morning. It is 44 degrees outside, and this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do, if you have a flower you want to grow, if you have a flower you want to get rid of, if you've got a weed you don't like, or if you just have anything you want to do, organic, not organic, beginner gardener, we don't care here. Ashley Frasca answers the calls, and she is just sweet as she can be. She will make sure you feel comfortable even if you've never called anyone on the radio, on the phone like this before, do it anyway. Don't even tell us your first name. We don't really care. We're here to help you be more successful in your landscape. Lucille wants to be more successful in her landscape. Good morning, Lucille. Good morning. Hi. How can I help? I have a weed I don't like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and I just want to identify it and know how to prevent it. Okay. It. It's a creeper that came up in my daylilies and in my iris also. And you don't notice it until it gets to the top. But when you start pulling it out, it's very invasive, and it sticks to your gloves. You can hardly put it in oh, your yeah. throwaway pile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last Saturday, Lucille, I was at the Peachtree City Pike Nursery, and Mickey Gasway, my friend from Pike Nursery, was there with me. And we were both... <laughs> trying to remember the name of this weed because we knew it started with a B, but we just somehow had a mental block and couldn't remember. And finally she blurted out and said, Bedstraw, Bedstraw, it's Bedstraw. That's exactly what it is, B-E-D-S-T-R-A-W, Bedstraw. And the best description you just gave, Lucille, you pick it up and it sticks to your gloves, it sticks to your hands, it sticks to everything because it has little sticky balls on the, on the stems. Yes. And you want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it, and how can I keep it from ever coming back? <laughs> You'll either you have two choices. If you want the organic choice, then Lucille, you have to pull it religiously. You have to get every plant now and every plant that comes up in the fall or winter time, because that's when it germinates from seeds is in the in the fall and winter. Or you have to use a pre-emergent um, chemical. We often say put your pre-emergent out to, pre to prevent weeds in your lawn, but you can do the same thing in your daily bed like you have. Okay. And so pre-emergents that uh, say this controls broadleaf weeds, and some, most of them do, but read the label, make sure you know what's, what's happening there. Usually they're granular things, and you sprinkle it according to the label over the, over the daily bed, and do it um, September 1st, Lucille. We want to do it early to make sure that all those little seeds do not germinate. September 1, you put it out, water it in so it dissolves the chemical into the soil, and the seeds of the bed straw, hopefully, will not germinate, and you won't see any next spring. Okay. Well, I, I do grow annuals also. Now, is that pre-emergent going to prevent them from germinating? If I you, grow them from seed. In the fall or in the spring? In the spring. No, it won't hurt them in the spring. Okay. It says on the label, and again, read the label to make sure I'm right, but most of the times it says on the label you can reseed after six or eight or ten weeks. So count up from September to you know, whenever you want to put your seeds out in the spring. And if it's longer than they say on the label, then you're fine. Okay. 
All right. Well, you have handled my problem, I hope. It's <laughs> I hope I don't have to handle any of it today. I'm afraid I will. I'm afraid there are patches in my landscape that I need to pull today because it's sort of an icky feeling when it gets on your hands and, and arms as you pull it out. Yes, and it it gets there and gets tall before you realize it's there. Oh, yes. Yeah, it grows like crazy. It's just an insane little weed. It just grows so fast you don't even know you have it until you look down and say, oh, look at all this bed straw all over my daylilies, all over my azaleas, all over my ferns. Bed straw. That's what you got. Thanks for calling, Lucille. Judd is in Dawsonville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Judd, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, Judd. Uh, Walter, about seven years ago, I planted a blue atlas weeping cedar tree. Yeah. And I want to say it was about three and a half feet tall when I planted it. Yeah. And it's only maybe four and a half feet tall now, and it just hasn't grown much like some of the ones that I see that that have those long branches and everything. Yeah. And it's on a slope, and I have fertilized it with whatever my local uh, uh, nursery has told me to fertilize it with okay. every, you know, three months or something. And so the, I, the only thing I can figure is that maybe I've possibly planted it too deep, Possibly. Would that have yeah. caused it to, to have not grown? Sure. How long ago, you said, Judd, did you plant it? Seven years. Seven years ago, and it's only a foot or, more, a foot or so taller. There's just specifically, you could say there's something going on with the root system. What it is is yet to be determined. But yes, planting it too deeply, sure, that could cause the roots to not be able to spread very well. And when they don't spread, of course, they don't absorb even the nice fertilizer you put down. The roots can't absorb it because they're too deep. They can't get the oxygen and the moisture and the things they need to absorb nutrients. Um, another one could be, and this is one I'm becoming more and more aware of, Dud, is that when you plant a tree or a shrub, many times the roots in the container or in the ball and burlap um, uh, ball are constricted or they've gone round and round and round inside the pot but there's some problem with the roots that could be corrected at planting that most of us or at least i used to not worry too much about i'd loosen the soil a little bit put the tree in the ground end of story but i'm becoming more and more convinced that when you plant in the in the fall particularly is the best time to do this washing most of the dirt away from the roots almost to a bare root state and straightening the roots out, spreading them out in the ground, making sure they go in all different directions away from the trunk of the tree, that, and making sure you plant it at the right depth, that ensures better growth, better success, and a healthier anything, including blue atlas cedar. It's roots somewhere, okay. but I'm not sure which one of those two things it is, but it's one of them, Judge. Is there anything I can do now to fix that problem? You know, you, because, because, I'm the, because I'm the way I am, my inclination would be to say, get on your hands and knees with a trowel and go underneath it and sort of dig the roots and find out what's going on. You know, I'm curious. You should be curious too. That's how you grow as a gardener is to sort of find out what's going on and dig some dirt around and identify where the roots are. And if you want to get a hose in there or I've used a shop vac sometimes, Judd, because a shop vac, you can use your trowel to sort of loosen the dirt and <laughs> suck it up with a shop vac and uh, get the dirt away from the roots to say, what did they do? What were they doing when I put them in the ground? Were they circling around? Was it four inches too deep? What's going on here? If you'll do that, okay. you'll find something that you may not know, and the next blue atlas you plant will do great. Okay. Thank you so much, Walter. Yeah, Judd, thanks for calling. And remember that this root washing thing is sort of a new idea, a new idea in uh, 
planting trees and shrubs. And again, I think it's better in Georgia, at least, that we do this in the fall and winter when you're planting things then. In the spring, eh, not so much, particularly when you have uh, late in the spring, like right now, when you've got leaves on the plant as you plant it. If you wash all the dirt off the roots and you have stress going on, you really have to be attentive to watering during the uh, summertime if you do the root washing now. But at the very least, Judd mentioned how deep he was planting. Make sure that the first top root on your plant is right at the soil surface. Do not bury it down two or three or four inches. It means sometimes that you have to knock some of the dirt off the ball and burlap uh, ball, or you have to take it out of the pot and remove some of the dirt at the top of the uh, top of the pot. But do the best you can to make those roots spread out in all directions. Make sure you know how deep it is growing and where that first top flare root, we call it the flare root, is. Make sure it's right at the soil surface. You'll have a lot better success with your shrubs and your trees, too. It's 717. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 430 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. different in our younger days i think a quick weather update brought to you by finley roofing this morning spotty light showers through the day mostly cloudy today on saturday high of 56 this afternoon low of 44 i think you can still get outside it's not gonna be terrible but it's not gonna be the greatest day like tomorrow though sunny high of 72 low of 49 looking pretty nice for sunday your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb during the break, Ashley and I were sharing sharing information. I was telling her about the newest controversy in my life. Not a real huge controversy, but something interesting that I did purposely this past week for my column in the AJC. Thursday, I wrote a little thing about carpenter bees, and I said in there purposely, the role of carpenter bees in pollination is not proven, all right? because I was quoting what the University of Georgia Honeybee Lab says about carpenter bees. And many of us, this time of year, you've got carpenter bees. They're flying around, boring holes in your rafters, boring holes in the soffits, boring holes in your shed and deck and places like that. And so people wonder, is it bad to kill them? Because are they really good pollinators? And my point then with my little column was, well, you know, if you don't like the holes they make, it's not going to harm the pollination of the of the plants in your landscape or your garden all that much by killing a couple of carpenter bees. So I put that in the column on Thursday, and sure enough, on Friday, I had a couple of responses from that email saying, yes, they are. Yes, they are good pollinators. They're not. Uh, carpenter bees are robbers sometimes. They're peripheral pollinators. They will go into the side of a bloom. In fact, blueberries is my best example of what goes on with carpenter bees is they're so big they just don't want to spend the effort going in the top of the flower and get the pollen and everything around their leaves. So they just go in the side. They're big. They've got a big mouth part. They just bore into the side of the blueberry flower, rob the nectar, don't touch the pollen at all. They may perhaps give other pollinating insects the opportunity to go other places and other flowers around the plant. I don't know. There's a little bit of buzz pollination, it's called, when the carpenter bees and bumblebees too when they buzz their wings like that it vibrates and causes some pollen to 
fly out of uh, tomatoes and mangoes, I think is one that they're particularly good at. And they sometimes get onto sunflowers and do a good bit of pollination there. You see them crawling on the top of a sunflower flower, flower head and see all the pollen on a carpenter bee's uh, back legs there. But as far as being great pollinators like the native bees are, the ground bees, the digger bees we've had in our landscapes for a couple of weeks, they're not that good. If you're going to protect something and leave something alone and don't harm it at all, don't hurt the carpenter, don't hurt the ground bees, the digger bees, the mining bees that make the little mounds in your lawn, the mounds that have a little hole about the size of a pencil in the middle. Those are ground bees, and they do a great job in early season pollination for blueberries, for apples, for peaches, pears, all the good fruits that we want to be pollinated. Ground bees do that job before the honeybees really get out and do what they're doing later on in the season. So protect the ground bees, protect the honeybees, of course, and I would say don't worry too much about the carpenter bees. By the way, I meant to mention this last week, if you see a swarm of honeybees, and a swarm is literally that, it's thousands and thousands of honeybees, remember two things. One, they're not aggressive. You can walk into a swarm, I've done it a half a dozen times, they are only interested in protecting the queen, they're not interested in stinging you. It's a cluster around the queen. And secondly, call the local beekeeping association or your local extension office and tell them that you have a swarm that's hanging from your clothesline, tree limb, <laughs> soffit of the house, wherever they're hanging, and say, would somebody like to come get this swarm? Because there are beekeepers all over Atlanta who would like to get that free swarm of bees with the queen and everything attached to it. Let them know about it. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves of Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you do whatever you want or perhaps don't want to do in your garden. If you need an excuse, I'll write you out an excuse to not do what hard work you had planned. And if you want to get rid of weeds, get rid of flowers or grow more flowers, that's fine too. If you're a beginner gardener, Ashley says, I would like to hear from more beginner gardeners at 7.30. So if you have just a real basic question, or if you moved to Georgia from somewhere else in the country, and you're sort of wondering, what do, we, what do we do in Georgia about this problem that you didn't have in California or you didn't do in Connecticut? If you have one of those questions that you think a lot of people would benefit from, just because it's that basic and covers a large area of knowledge, give us a call, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. But let us bring a little happiness into someone's life by giving away the weekend prize pack, the Arrow Exterminator's weekend prize pack, as a matter of fact. We have a pair of tickets to see Jeff Lynn's ELO. For those of you too young to know what ELO stands for, it stands for the Electric Light Orchestra live in concert February, excuse me, Friday, July 5, July 5th at State Farm Arena. This is Friday, July 5th, State Farm Arena, Jeff Lynn's ELO live. We have two tickets and we will give those tickets to who? Caller number three. Caller number three, real quick to 404 404-741-0750. Dial carefully, don't wake anybody up. You get two tickets to go see 
Jeff Lynn, ELO Live, and that is on February, on Friday, January 5th, July the 5th. What am I talking about? Friday, July the 5th, State Farm Arena. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. Larry is out in Summerfield, Florida, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Oops, wrong button. Good go. morning. How are you today? Hey, Larry. Doing great. What's on? What's going on? Uh, well, a week or two ago, I was listening to you uh, were telling uh, someone else about a uh, an app called Plant Snap. Oh, like yeah, yeah, bike. yeah. Sure. Okay. And so uh, I downloaded the app, and I've tried to use it a couple of times. And due to operator error, I can't get it to work right. Uh-huh. And so I was going to see if you could give me a little insight uh, based on your experience using it uh, to get it to work for me. Let's introduce this for listeners, too, to say what I was talking to the fellow a couple of weeks ago now was about apps that you could use on your phone to identify plants, flowers, and things like that, because it would be nice not to have to call me or to ask somebody else, but just take a picture and upload it, and then somehow it would be identified for you. And one of them that I mentioned that I have used is Plant Snap. That's one. I use another one called Garden Answers. And the fellow who was talking to me, I believe he was using Google Google Lens maybe for his um, identification purposes. So on Plant Snap, Larry, the only thing that I found that was important, I guess, was to make sure you had the whole flower in the square they have on your screen there on your, on your phone. Make sure you have the whole flower. And uh, you can crop it, of course, to make sure you get the whole flower in there and don't have anything around it like leaves and background stuff. It's yeah, not sure. the flower itself. That's the only hint that I have. I just put the flowers in. I identified or they identified kudzu flowers and one other one I remember that was really hard. I thought it would be real hard, but they identified it too. So Plant Snap for me has worked fine. Google Lens was working great for this guy that um, that I was talking to on the phone. The Garden Answers one works okay, but if you really want a specific thing for a plant that it doesn't come up with for free, they'll do it for you for $1.99, I think is their deal. For $1.99, they'll submit it to a plant identification expert and charge you the money through uh, iTunes, and they'll tell you what it is. I've used that before, and that's worked fine. The experts have identified two flowers for me for $1.99 a piece, and they've been accurate. But what happens if it's like I have some hedges that uh, don't have flowers? I don't know how well they'll do with that, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of hedge do you have that doesn't have flowers? Um, One, I believe, is a holly. Okay. And then I have something else that's growing up through the holly, Mm. and uh, it's almost vine-like when it gets to the house itself. I keep it, you know, the edges cut back away from the house. Yeah. But this other plant that's mixed in with it grows uh, much faster. And uh, I was wanting to identify it in order to determine the best way to get rid of it. Yeah. Of course, hollies do have flowers. You know that, but they're real small. You can't readily take a picture of them with a, with a phone because they're just so tiny, as big as the end of your little uh-huh. finger on there. So. Not easy to get those kind of flowers in the Plant Snap app, I don't think. And I don't know offhand of any that do identification based on leaves. I know there used to be one, I guess it's still out there, that called Tree something, Tree ID or Tree Snap or Tree something was in the name. 
and they would identify trees, and all you had to do was put the leaf of a tree on a neutral background, like a sidewalk or pavement or something, and take a picture of the tree leaf, and they would identify it. And they did a pretty good job for the times that I used it. But I don't remember specifically what the name was, but I know the leaf thing with the trees did pretty well, pretty well. Well, maybe I'll take a couple of shots of it and uh, email it to you and see if maybe you recognize it. Yeah, I was just going to say, Larry, the, the person who is a genius at identifying plants is a woman named Laura735. That's all I know about her, Laura735. If you submit on my website, if you have the, have the pictures of your leaves or your flowers or whatever you have to identify these vines and shrubs and put it on the name that plant part of my website, then Laura... Yes, will look at it and she will have you an answer within a few days. And so uh, if you want to upload some things on my website, name that plant, that may be useful for you. Well, I want to appreciate it. I moved out of the metro area there about 10 years ago, but uh, thanks to modern technology, I used to listen to you on the WSB uh, site. Yep, sure. Now that you're part of the iHeart family, I use the iHeart app. Great. And uh, I get better reception. Well, good. I'm glad to hear you, Larry. Still been following you for all these years. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Larry. I look forward to hearing from you next time. Thanks for calling today. John is in Jonesboro and joins us on Lawn and Garden with an identification question. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, First man. time caller. Hey, man, it's easy. It's just like talking on the phone. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I went out in my yard the other day, and I noticed what looks like thousands of anthills in my backyard, except they're not anthills. And I have no clue what these things are. I mean, they just, they popped up all over the place. I've got a clue. And if you'll remember what they looked like, John, do you remember was there a hole in the middle, a little pencil sized hole? Was All right. Yes, sir. Then I know what it is. And there's people driving around the perimeter right now who are all raising their hands saying, we know what it is too. They're called (laughs) ground bees, ground bees or mining bees, or digger bees, some people call them, but they're all solitary bee nests. The female bee goes out to your yard there in your in your lawn and digs a hole, and then she collects pollen from uh, flowers and things that are blooming and makes little chambers underneath the ground. And in that chamber, she deposits some pollen and an egg, and she'll make three or four or five maybe chambers underground before the spring is gone and she dies. But she is, uh, while she's collecting the pollen, of course, she's pollinating things like blueberries and apples and peaches and things like that. And anything else that has pollen in it, she's looking for it because she wants to provision her little babies underground. And one thing that you'll notice, John, this is the coolest thing about the ground bees, I think, that I know. And that is above them, about a foot off the ground, you'll see lots of bees as they sort of hover there. Those are the male ground bees. And here's the great thing. They don't have a stinger. They do not have a stinger. They're just hovering around and thinking they're doing some good to protect their women folk and their children from damage by John or anybody else who might come by. I, I, I thought I'd noticed that once, but I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what I was seeing. Yeah. I, you know, I said, no way that could be bees. Oh, you'll see why? dozens, dozens of them, John. You can walk right around and grab one with your hand if you want to. They can't sting. Male bees don't have stingers. And uh, that's what they're doing is thinking they're doing some good. So as far as I'm concerned, John, these are a precious thing to have in the landscape. And I know it's ugly. I know the little mounds in your lawn don't look the greatest. If you just can't bear to look at it anymore, I guess you could wash them down with a garden hose. But frankly, I leave mine alone. They'll be gone in a week or so, a week or two maybe. 
and they'll do their job, disappear, and you have nothing but the story to tell. That's what they are, though, ground bees or digger bees. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Should I leave them alone, or how do I get rid of them? Yeah, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Don't do anything to them if you can, if you can avoid it. I'll just leave them alone. (laughs) Great great decision, John. I appreciate it. All right. Tell them I said hey down down in Clayton County for me. Will do. All right. Thanks, John. We'll see you soon. We've got, let's see, who's in the line right here? Gary, who's out in Buford, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gary, good morning. Yeah, how do I get rid of uh, wild violets in my fescue lawn? Ah, that's good. I'm glad you said fescue. Um, You go get the weed killer that has the purple slash across the front. That's the best way to describe it. When you see the the name, let's see, the bonide has the uh, oxalis in other broadleaf weed control is the name of that product. Then ortho has the ortho oxalis clover and something else killer. But all of them have this little purple slash across the front of the um, of the container. The reason being that they want to differentiate that from other ortho and bonide products because this one contains a chemical specifically for wild violets on fescue. And the chemical is called triclopyr. And it is a very excellent wild violet killer. You can't use it on Bermuda. It'll yellow it up pretty badly. Zoysia, the same thing. Centipede, yeah, it really knocks centipede down. But for fescue and violets in the fescue, use some of the uh, oxalis and other weed control from bonite or from ortho, and they'll do a great job. All right. Does, does they have, do they have a name? You mean the violets or the... Uh, the the chemical that we're putting on there. Yeah, triclopyr is the chemical name, and ortho uh, ortho weed begone oxalis chickweed and clover killer is the chemical name, or bonide oxalis chickweed and clover killer. Bonide or ortho, either one has the same chemical in it. With the purple flash across. Purple slash. Uh, Look for that purple slash, Gary. You'll know what I mean when you see it on the shelf. That's how they differentiate the purple stuff. Thanks for calling, Gary. I got to go right now. It's 748 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Green and Danger Mouse, I believe, here as Gnarls Barkman. Singing going on. If you see the video for this, oh, Jason, that's the greatest video in the whole wide world. There's kids dancing to this thing. Going on, Gnarls Barkley. And a weather forecast, a quick weather update, I should say, brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, spotty light showers, 56 the high, 44 the low. Tomorrow, maybe a little bit better. Sunny, high of 72, low of 49 on Sunday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95, News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's go to, let's see, John and Marietta's been waiting the longest. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Can you hear me? I hear you great, John. What's up? Uh, and my backyard has uh, a forest of about 70-foot-tall pine and hardwood trees, so not much sunlight gets through uh, to the ground floor. Uh, about five years ago, I noticed that there was a tree growing in, in that area that was unlike anything I've ever seen. The leaves on this tree are 
a good 20 inches long and about 10 inches wide yeah. uh, come to a point. And I've noticed that uh, that tree now is about 15 feet tall, and for the first time ever, it's got white blooms on oh, it. Oh, man, great. Go and ahead. I don't have no idea. It looks like something that would grow in the uh, rainforest. Uh, you are closer than you realize, John. That is a deciduous magnolia. In other words, it's a magnolia tree, not southern magnolia that we all know about. It's evergreen, and you know we see southern magnolias all the time. But the, when people notice the big white flowers with the huge leaves on this tree, that's when it becomes really something to talk about. And they are indeed, John, a very, very old, in the sense of dinosaur time, old. Dinosaurs ate the leaves off of deciduous magnolias. And um, that's what it is. There's two or three um, species of big, big leaf magnolias. There is one called the big leaf magnolia. There's one called cucumber magnolia. There's one called ashes magnolia. But all of them are just lumped together as deciduous, meaning they lose their leaves in the wintertime. Deciduous magnolias with the big white flowers in the spring. Great plant. It's a beautiful tree. I almost cut it down a few years ago, but the leaves were so unusual. I yeah. just left it there, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Another common name is umbrella magnolia because the big leaves keep the rain from going on you. Going right. on well, thank you, Walter. Call. It's great talking to you, John. Thanks for noticing that and bringing it to our attention. I do All right. It. Bye. Magnolias are interesting in the fact, too, that when they, I want to say originated, when they were designed, when they came to be on Earth— there were no flies or, or butterflies or honeybees or other insects to pollinate them. How do you get pollen from a magnolia that doesn't have any flies around to do it with it? Beetles. If you look at magnolia flowers, many times you'll find beetles in there who are the pollinators for magnolias, for southern magnolia as well as the uh, deciduous magnolias. So it's something interesting to know that because the magnolias grew up as it would as it would be in the earth during a time when there weren't anything else to pollinate they used beetles to pollen to move the pollen around from tree to tree next half hour i really want to talk to sean in coming because he has a california walnut that he wants to plant i want to know more about that linda lilbert has a question about rising sun redbud ann and winder wants to look for bedding plants jacob wants to know about how to fertilize silver queen coin all that coming up after news <laughs> 